Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Felix, the co-founder and MD at Deep Drive. Felix, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about uh, about yourself and uh, how it all started, this passion to to start up Deep Drive. Of course, of course. So uh, it actually started a long time ago. Um, I, I was uh, studying uh, at TU Munich. Uh, it was 2013, 2014, 2015. Where and you are based today. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm currently based in Munich again. And uh, back in the days, um, I was uh, I was I was following my studies, and then in the in the beginning, in the third semester, I felt I need to I I I, I need to do something else, and I need to do something more exciting. And I looked around, and um, I joined a student initiative, uh, the student motorsport team of TU Munich, uh, mm-hmm. where um, there was a group of up to eighty super passionate people that didn't get any. Uh, money or credits for their job, but uh, that spend 70, 80 hours a week building electric uh, race cars uh, in in a workshop and competing all over all over the world with them. And uh, I was inspired by this by by this passion and by these uh, by the spirit of just getting it on the streets no matter what. Um, and uh, I joined the team. And this is where I actually met my co-founders. And then the past mm-hmm. 10 years, we all spread our wings, spent some time in the industry, and then uh, got back together to uh, found Deep Drive. And that's 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 the story of how we met. That's that's really incredible. And and personally, you have been then uh, working abroad, namely in in Frankfurt and uh, and London, right? In investment banking, uh, management consulting. Uh, Deloitte, Simon Kusher, uh, Rothschild, so some of the of the brands that you represented, and uh, and then you came back uh, after those years uh, at the university uh, to with an idea to start a company uh, with uh, seven uh, or with seven founders, right? So you have six uh, co-founders. Can you tell us more about? What do you guys thought and and why did you need so many people uh, as as a founding team, which is not uh, normal or let's say uh, typical? A hundred percent. Yeah, I am. Um, I still have the claim that we're the biggest founding team you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and obviously, um, in any you know, in any. Uh, you know, startup accelerator whatsoever, people suggest you to not to not be more than three or four, right? Because yeah. it increases the risk, there's challenges and so on. For us, it was a very clear and easy decision. Um, where we really come from, and that's the essence of Deep Drive, is mm-hmm. um, especially my technical co-founders and their jobs uh, at, at large automotive companies, they they were they, they realized how much potential there is. And we have to, have to talk in a minute about what we're actually doing. But right. they realized... Um, <laughs> how much uh, potential there is in electric motors and how much Mm -hmm. more efficient um, one can build them. But to actually realize that potential and get it on the streets, it's not enough to be innovative. You can be innovative in a large company, Mm -hmm. um, but you need to be disruptive and revolutionary. You need to think completely different, come up with completely new concepts of how you can build electric motors to actually 
you know, realize this incredible potential and this huge technological leap in make, making electric cars that much more efficient and that much cheaper. And for us, um, we realized we can only do that outside of a traditional large corporate structure. And that's the reason why we founded Deep Drive. So basically, we took the, the experts from the industry, the, 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 the thought leaders, the ones that were actually developing the new concepts and tech for these uh, large corporates, um, and we took those, those experts and we gave them this environment of absolute disruption mm -hmm. of of our motorsport spirit the one uh, we you right. know we we, we um, um, grew in us uh, uh, 10 years ago so we took that together and that's the essence of deep drive and that's why we started deep drive and for us because we're so technology driven and we rely so much and get on getting the best tech done uh, we needed a super strong team of absolute experts um, in each field that's important for the development of electric and that's why we're such a big founding team because we needed to get all the people on board to actually um, you know develop the best tech that's out there um, and we could only realize that at a very early stage without funding and, and with a shared right. mission and you know getting it on the streets no matter what um, we could only do that by by taking uh, taking uh, like everyone on board as a as, as a co-founder yeah. and that's and that and that's the situation at the moment and it couldn't it couldn't go better there's no there's there's no real uh, you know um hurdles or issues as you would have expected with a founding team of seven but because we've known yeah. each other for 10 years right. and, and worked with each other for a long long time that works really well for us Absolutely. And and of course, this is also a deep tech startup. So there is needed, as you said, um, a lot of knowledge that typically uh, you only have available inside large corporates. But at the same time, it's super difficult to develop innovation uh, inside large corporates, given the environment that you were uh, talking about. Um, but tell us more about the technology that you guys are developing, how, how it is really disrupting the, the category, what is your vision for the future, what is Deep Drive today and, and tomorrow? Of course. So really what we developed is a new type of electric motor for electric vehicles. An electric mm -hmm. motor with three main advantages. First one being efficiency. So we have a 20 percentage point efficiency increase compared to current state of the art, meaning an electric vehicle drives 20% further if you just replace the existing motor with our motor, um, okay. or it, you know, for the same range, it can, it requires a 20% smaller battery. So it's huge, huge cost savings. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a huge, you know, a customer selling point for electric vehicles. So efficiency right. is, is the first huge thing. And you have to imagine OEMs today, they look for 1%, 2% efficiency. You know, the automotive industry right. is very optimized. So if we come around the corner and we talk about a 20% efficiency increase, that's it's huge. huge. That's, a, that's a real game mm -hmm. changer for the automotive industry. The, and, and, and that's our sales argument, right? That's the sexy yeah. argument why, why our motor uh, technology is great. But then the second big USP of our technology is the reason why I'm convinced that we can make it. And it is the focus on low-cost manufacturing and easy manufacturability using standard processes, standard materials um, to actually get the tech um, and the motor produced in an easy and cheap way in large-scale series production. We're fully mm -hmm. focused on large-scale series production. And there's a huge difference between building 
a nice prototype that works well and has amazing specifications and building a serious product that achieves the same. And this is really right. what differentiates us from, from, from many, many other those ventures. We come from large scale automotive engineering. That's where we are from. That's where we learn the ropes. And um, this is what we're applying to our tech with a very stringent focus on, 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 on large scale manufacturability. And that's the reason why I'm convinced uh, we can we can we can actually scale up very big. And the third big advantage of our tech is it's a very compact, lightweight motor, meaning that um, you can build it in, inside the vehicle like any traditional vehicle architecture today. But you can also integrate the motor inside the wheel, creating an in-wheel motor, um, fully playing out the advantages of the technology and creating much more space um, inside the vehicle for passengers or also for a new battery cell chemistry. So we're an enabler for these new mm -hmm. battery cell chemistries, which are much more sustainable, um, which are much, le much less dangerous and much cheaper. So those are the technological benefits of what we're doing. Um, and really what we're, what, what, what's our mission at Deep Drive is, is commercializing this technology, getting it on the streets and um, in, the, in the long term, becoming one of the dominant providers of electric motors for the automotive industry and beyond. That's really amazing. I would just repeat because that, that's a lot of information here, but uh, having the motor inside the wheel, it's it's really and and all the space that is created because typically nowadays, I don't know anymore with electrical vehicles, but typically the motor was at, uh, at the front of the car and very um, uh, in, in some outliers, uh, we had kind of the motor at, at the back, but I would say those are much more for those uh, supercars, let's say. And um, but but nowadays with with uh, the electrical vehicles, where where is the motor usually, uh, Felix? It depends a lot on the concept. So uh, okay. most uh, most electric vehicles still have central drive systems, either on the front axle or rear axle. Um, oh, there are some concepts already where you have uh, near wheel motors. So you have two yeah. instead of one in the middle, but they're still sitting on the chassis. So, so within okay. the vehicle, um, but there aren't really any vehicles out there within wheel motors at the moment reason for that is that current technologies just don't work you know you have two heavy motors two big motors you can't really package them in a sensible way inside the wheel and this is what our technology is changing right and is there an advantage for for uh, putting it inside the wheel or is, is this just a, a an optimization of the space needed uh, to have the motor Exactly that, right. Okay. The, the biggest the biggest benefit of it is yeah. uh, the space that you can save within the vehicle, and then obviously oh, you can okay. reduce a few parts. You have you have um you have, you you don't need drive shafts. You know, there's a number of parts that you can remove. It just makes the whole vehicle much more modular, much mm -hmm. simpler to build, and then obviously increasing space inside the vehicle. So you started in in twenty one. Uh, more specifically, in in what month, uh, Felix? Uh, we, so uh, incorporation date was the 27th of May. So we're two weeks okay. shy of our two-year birthday, so to say. Okay, amazing. Uh, of course, this episode will get out, will be released in, in, in June. But uh, but yeah, we are almost at uh, two years uh, of, of uh, celebration of your second birthday. So which is quite incredible. And uh, where are you in terms of the stage of growth, in terms of the development of, of the products, in terms of the metrics, whatever you, you can share? So um, we really, 
we, we we really pushed the gas pedal uh, over the past two years um to 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 you know get get going uh, very quickly uh, receive a significant traction very quickly which just shows how um how exciting this technology is for the automotive industry so uh we closed uh, a series a 15 million euro series a um led by bmw i ventures and the corporate venture unit of of continental uh in in march Amazing. this year um and uh you know Prior to that, 12 months ago, we we closed the seed round with UBC Partners, um, with Bayern Capital, uh, where we were, were also joined by Peter Mertens, who was uh, CTO of Audi and Volvo, and um, with Jonas Rieke, COO of Personio. So really, really strong team of strong financial Absolutely. backers. Um, and in terms of customer traction, which is obviously the core of what we're doing, so we're currently working with eight of the 10 largest automakers in the world. They're super, super interesting, interested in our technology. We're starting first vehicle projects, um, you know, building up um, first prototype vehicles this year. Um, and we aim to start serious production um, over, the next, uh, over the next three to four years. So really, um, the, the core focus for us uh, over the next year or two is winning first serious commitments um, and, and you know, kind of like getting our motor into large-scale serious production. That, that is uh, amazing and kind of one of the differences of uh, a deep tech start, startup. Uh, let's say it was a startup that we typically have here uh on on this show so how were you able to to go through fundraising understanding that the commercialization would be uh a little bit uh down the line or uh not not too close to, to the moment that we are today and that you would need to raise a series a and potentially a series b and the series c before getting let's say to even 1 million or 5 million or 10 million in revenue right Yes, exactly. So I think, um, you know, coming from a standard SaaS perspective, what we're doing is very, very different. Um, it yeah. seems very binary, right? You um, you either win a serious project or you don't. And if you win one, right. you make significant revenues and significant revenues means in the hundreds of million euros per project, right? So there's there's really huge potential really? there. And, and what you build then is a very sustainable uh, large scale business because a vehicle project runs for five to seven years, right? So you have amazing revenue visibility. You can build a, a really, really large company um, without many, you know, fluctuations. Obviously, there's a lot of challenges on the way there. And even mm -hmm. once you win those projects, there's there's challenges. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the end game, so to say, the one out of the binary cases um, makes a super, super exciting and attractive investment also for VC. The thing is, it is not as binary as one would expect. Obviously, on the revenue side, it is, right? We're making um, some revenues uh, um, um, this year, next year. We made some last year. It's very project-based. Uh, based. You, you know, you do projects of around half a million or something where you, um, where you, you know, do design studies or integrate prototypes, sell prototypes to, to OEMs. So, so these are kind of projects that are ongoing. Um, but on the revenue side, it seems very binary. Um, that's the traditional metrics um, uh, you mm -hmm. know investors would look at. For us, um, the sales acquisition process is not as binary, to, to be honest, because there's clear stages. You start with design studies, you, you right. sell prototypes, you do vehicle integrations, you get a nomination for a first series project, and so on. So there's a very clear there's very clear steps on which you can judge how how far you are in your progress mm -hmm. towards 
large-scale series projects. And um, another very exciting point is order book. And this is one of the main points, especially for our upcoming uh, financing rounds. Um, you receive a series order two years before you start a series project in the automotive industry, right? So that means um, you're still two, two years shy of, of, re of significant revenues, but you have the order book, you have the committed volumes, and that helps you with fundraising and with convincing investors. For a business like ours, uh, the, I think the inflection point is a series A, because, um, mm -hmm. and, and that's true for most deep tech cases with long sales cycles, because in the seed round, you, you raise on vision a lot, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have good tech, you need to have a strong team, and you need to, uh, an investor needs to build a conviction around the, the market. Um, for us, market was never an issue, right? Because the EV market mm -hmm. is huge, it's upcoming, Absolutely. there's a very clear potential. Um, in a series B, you raise on traction and on, on an order book, as just mentioned, which, uh, you know, mm -hmm. helps you to really, you know, receive significant investment interest. A series A is a weird mix where you don't, where right. you can show serious pro projects or anything like that, um, where you re need to raise significant money and where it's less about vision and team, right? Like it's still very, very mm -hmm. important, but you need to have investors who are really, really convinced about the tech um, and who right. are convinced uh, um, about the opportunity that's behind that. And that's um, what helped us a lot. Obviously, you know, um, our current lead investors in the Series A, they know the industry quite well. So um, they were able to build up really good conviction and understand right. what we developed there could become the standard um, for electric motors uh, for the automotive industry. And and with this conviction, it's, it's, it's easy enough to raise a, 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 a significant and nice Series A. Um, but that's, I think, for businesses like us, compared to SaaS businesses, the inflection point of the of the fundraising story. Yeah, what what has been the the size of the of the seed round and of the of the Series A round, uh, Felix? So the seed round, um, we raised four point three million uh, euros. In the Series A, we raised fifteen million, and then we received right. in between a small government grant of uh, two million. So in total, we have a funding of a bit more than twenty million. Right now. Kind of your your grant was at pre-seed stage or a little bit later. Uh, between seed and series a that's a, a, a grand project that's running over the next uh, two and a half years um where we basically develop out our motor technology and you skip it the the pre-seed stage so you went directly to to raise the the seed round uh, in essence, we um, we did our own pre-seed, so uh, it's seven of us. So we all right. chipped in uh, some money, and then that's the, the advantage first year. of having a, <laughs> a large founding team. Cool. E exactly. So the first year, we basically su survived on very very limited uh, 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 cash flow. Um, and yeah. then, you know, we, we we were very clear, and that's another part of a hardware or of a deep tech business. Yeah. Um, you need to show the tech um, because. If we stand right. out there and claim we have a motor that's 20% more efficient and much cheaper, uh, but we don't have it yet, uh, nobody's really going to invest. Exactly. Right. Uh, PowerPoint engineering is not really appreciated by many investors. So um, for us, it was super, super important to take our own money in our hands, spend the first uh, 10 months of, 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 of our existence at Deep Drive to you know, develop the tech ourselves, apply for the first patents, get all that sorted out, build the first right. prototypes and then validate them. And once we reached that stage, we, we kicked off our seed round. So that was planned from the beginning. We had a very, very good, uh, good fundraising strategy and that really helped us to raise a, a, a nice seed right. round with amazing investors. And at that time, did you guys were working full-time still or were already uh, get out of your jobs and, and start working on this full-time? How did you manage the transition, right? It's not a, an easy decision. 
all or nothing at all, Mike. Uh, we, <laughs> well, we, man, uh, we <laughs> appreciate the correct. <laughs> we um, we all quit our jobs. Uh, we knew that there's significant potential there, and we also didn't want to, you know, especially from an IP perspective and so on. There's there's some difficulties if you do stuff on the side. So um, we quit our jobs in early 2021, and then we're fully out in April, and then kicked off um, with with development and also building the business from then. Super amazing. Something really important that I would like to highlight from what you said. So typically the SaaS business, we want to create a, an 100 million business in revenue that will be valued at 1 billion plus. So here, just a project would be the 100 million uh, project, right? So uh, the potential is billions of dollars of revenue for the company, which will have a valuation of maybe 10 billion uh, plus if we are talking about uh, a billion in revenue it depends on of course on the multiple of uh, of the revenue but we can understand the, the different scale uh, that we are talking about the second thing is that the the sales process is very well structured uh, for this kind of industry so as you said we need to go through different stages so there is some evidence that we are moving forward in that long sales cycle, but also very structured sales cycle. That's not a long sales cycle that we don't understand the deadlines. Yes, there are deadlines for, for that uh, sales cycle. So we can understand if we are moving to the next uh, stage or not. Um, and, uh, and also the focus on seed really selling on the vision, but proving that there is a technology that works, uh, or at least a prototype and, and the vision. And, and then in Series A, proving the, the power of, of the technology and some uh, engagement and some uh, proof of demand, right, from the automotive uh, industry. Another Series B is really that you have a, a commitment uh, from uh, an automotive brand uh, that they will use your uh, technology and your motors uh, in a large scale uh, production, right? So I'm, I'm trying to kind of summarize for, for the audience. Uh, however, as you can imagine, this is not a, an easy area uh, for me and not my expertise. So a hundred percent. And that was a, a really good summary. I think those are the, the, the key points of our journey. I think another super important point, which is a bit of a difference uh, between obviously not all um, SaaS businesses, but many um, SaaS businesses compared to deep tech is mm -hmm. uh, first of all, obviously, it's 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 all about the product. It's all about the tech. Uh, you need to have great tech. Um, that's right. how you win. Um, but the second super important thing next to having get, nailing the tech really is um, understanding the market. And obviously everybody says that in every management or startup book is written, mm -hmm. understand your customer, know your customer and so on. Exactly. Um, yeah. The thing is for, 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 for what we are doing, especially in the automotive industry, um, it's not enough to have a understanding of the automotive industry and have a, have a great tech. You really need to speak their language. You really need to, Mm -hmm. have been on the inside. So we have a big focus, basically all of our engineering team, you know, our sweet spot is five to 10 years of work experience at a large OEM or, or tier one supplier. Um, you need to understand quality management, which is, which is crazy, right? In the automotive industry, you need to know the standards. You need to um, understand the tests they're, they're doing. You need to understand the lingo and you need to understand the cycles and the politics behind what you're doing. So mm -hmm. there's many, many points where it's super, super important 
to to basically be one of them be be automotive and be an automotive person um because otherwise you you will really really struggle to disrupt the market you can disrupt the market with tech but it's very very hard to disrupt the automotive industry with approach or with how you do sales especially in our position where we don't build cars but we're in the end a supplier of a component to car manufacturers yeah I think that's something that I that I love in what you just said is uh, we always talk in especially in the earlier stages how important it is to have a clear ICP customer wise, but you also have a clear ICP talent wise. What are the kind of talent that you need in order to develop uh, your startup and you become a scale up and uh, and understanding how to attract that talent? We know that's one of the most important um, functions or roles of uh, of the founders right so super super well done exactly exactly that's um that's one of our main jobs uh thankfully we 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 can hire many people out of our network because you know obviously the the more people we hire that have experience they worked with colleagues that they're super impressed by and those are the people we're right. targeting to hire as well so that really helped us um i mean 14 months ago it was eight of us um currently we're around 40 and by the end of the year wow. we'll be 70 so we're growing a lot um, but uh, we are very, very focused on really high quality talent um, to get on board. And I assume that develop position for them what was exactly what you were saying at the beginning. Do you want to stay on your corporate job and not being able to do something impactful and uh, having a culture that doesn't promote your talent, doesn't challenge you? Or do you want to get into a more challenging situation but have the opportunity to change the world and have a, a huge impact? Exactly. It, it, it's simple math as well, right? If your engineering department has a thousand employees, you'll uh, have a very small impact on the end product. If your engineering department has 30 employees, you'll have a much bigger impact. And and I'm not a techie. So when I sit in interviews with, with techies, the thing I look for is hunger. You know, that's that's what we want to see. We want to see the hunger in the eyes. Um, we want to see that people actually, uh, you know, want to want to get stuff done and that's exactly the value proposition we offer and we don't have much competition because there aren't that many automotive startups out there especially in in, in you know in, in germany so um really people come to us and decide against the audis and bmws of this world because they 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 want to you know they want to have they want to have impact as you said they want to uh, they want to get stuff on the streets and they want to think more disruptive and 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 use the experience and expertise they built up in this in these great schools of these these great corporates and 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 yeah. that's really um how we build our team and in a certain way i was just thinking out loud that the risk is not so big because we know there is a lack of uh, of people and talent on on those industries so if something goes wrong in their mind, that they can always come back to where they were, and uh, and why not try uh, the opportunity to really change the world and and join a startup and uh, also uh, enrich their own careers and their own uh, lives, right? So exactly, exactly. So we all know that this is a very risky uh, business, and of course we need to come in with the conviction that we are that we that we can win. Uh, even if all the odds are against us as in any uh, startup. Uh, but I think that uh, it also, everyone that is in startups and scale-ups would say that uh, they have never grown uh, so fast as, as in a, in a scale-up and a startup. So a year uh, feels like to be kind of five or 10 uh, years in, a, in another 
kind of company, right? It's it, it's like dog years. Seven years exactly. in a start, uh, one year in a startup is like seven years <laughs> in a corporate. That's a that's a great one. Cool. And um, something really important, as you were saying already before, uh, is not only the the product, but also the the go to market. Understanding the markets. Also, you added understanding the how the industry works and how, how all the technologies. Uh, of the industry. So what are some of your hypotheses in terms of go-to-market uh, and of course, what you are able to, to disclose? Of course. So for us, it's super important. Um, I mean, the thing is, if you think about the automotive industry, there aren't that many customers, right? I mean, there's a number of exactly. them, uh, but there's maybe 20, 25 automakers that Which are, is that are relevant great to what we're doing. For focus, but typically also investors don't like it too much that you have a very limited pool of uh, of customers, right? Yeah, exactly. So um the thing is uh, in in that sense, you know, the, the, the companies are not that many. 25 is still you know a lot, but um it's not yeah. it's not uh, it, it's not hundreds. Then again, obviously within these 20, 25 companies, there's a number of vehicle projects. Uh, so there's different departments working on different lines and models um, oh, and vehicle yeah. projects. So if you then, you know, multiply that by the number of customers, um, you, you'll reach a quite significant uh, number. But for us in terms of go-to-market, you know, there's, there's really two paths we're following and it's super important to, to play mm -hmm. both, both paths. The one... Um, is, is 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 going you know into the 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 working level of 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 engineers you know in pre-development the 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 r d people um convincing them through you know tech deep dives we are very present you know in marketing on fairs on uh, in the media and stuff like that which is super super important for us obviously to kind of like build connection with them and explain where um where we come from and what our technology is about um but then at the second uh, at the second stage it's as important to come in from the top because um mm -hmm. you need top management support you need to have decision makers on your side and it is a very hard path to convince top management through the r&d working level um so you know this is where um you know network helps us a lot obviously our own network but then also of our advisors of our investors of our supporters um we have a really really good and strong network globally in the automotive industry of people that support us um uh, and and are invested in us that can make these connections so so we basically come from the from the bottom and the top and therefore um you know kind of like um, help help the OEM to build conviction, and then um, it's really about the tech. Once you once you once you're able to 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 have these um, um, these contacts set up, it's all about you know kind of like convincing them on the tech, and then you know it, in in the end uh, the main risk once you know once they're convinced on the tech and first program uh, programs and projects are started mm -hmm. is the timing issue, right? Because um, an OEM won't build their timing of their new vehicle around your availability right. so you need to depend on um uh, when is the new vehicle coming what's the timeline for that and so on so 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 that's the one the one uncertainty which is very very hard to influence all the other things uh, can be managed by a good strategy a good plan and a great network this is definitely a great timing because we are seeing uh, old automotive brands launching their uh, electrical vehicles models for all the the segments uh, of of the brand, right? So 
so but yeah this this is really the moment that i feel that every single brand is is, is launching uh all all the models of uh, of their portfolio that's exactly what we see in the market and uh, we we got super lucky with the timing as well so um if you if you see current currently there's 10 to 20 million electric vehicles depending on how you count um coming to market each year uh it's estimated that in 20 that in 2030 will be around 60 million a year so there's huge yeah. ramp up with many of exactly. these vehicle projects starting in the second half of the 2020s meaning uh, exactly me meaning that over the next two or three years r d will be kicked off and you know components will be decided and there's a lot of hunger for innovation and for new innovative products because you know especially western oems they see the threat from from chinese uh, oems um chinese oems uh, need mm -hmm. to get the cost down so they, they need to innovate as well so there's a, a very large hunger for um for innovation um right. and new concepts and at the same time development cycles are getting shorter and shorter so there's less capacity to do in-house development and get mm -hmm. get disruptive innovation done and 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 that's paired with this huge ramp up of electric vehicles uh is a really 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 exciting marketing opportunity for okay. us just moving one step back and and because you you added something uh, during your comments in in this last topic that I think it's it's really important. We discussed this several times on the show, which is really to be able to to have great investors that can really support you. And in this case, you really needed to have strategic investors and strategic angels that could open uh, doors to you and also give you credibility. Um, but sometimes, in in a certain way, those strategic investors can condition a little bit the the brands that you. That you can sell to but i believe that the investors that you choose even being strategic they are kind of financial investors as well so there is no exclusivity uh, so in that sense you can still serve all the automotive uh, brands in the market correct yeah that was a big um, a big question mark for us as well when we thought yeah. about our uh, fundraising strategy and what investors to take on board um, in the beginning, we were very, very careful with taking strategic investors on board because, as you mentioned, yeah. especially as a technology-driven company, getting strategics on board very early can be difficult. They have their own agenda. You know, um, they might influence you in certain ways. This is not the case at all with the investors we chose. So um, both BMW Ventures as well as you know the 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 VC of Continental, they're very experienced investors uh, with Aventure sitting in um, in in Silicon Valley. You know the people we're talking there are purely they're VC guys, right? They they they're not not right. from the corporate, um, and that really really um, sends a strong signal. So they help us a lot in terms of you know signaling to the market. Oh, BMW and Conti are invested. That's what's written mm -hmm. in the headlines. Um, they help us with connections, so so that's great, but um, not at all at the expense of of growth. So the very clear hypothesis of both new investors was a financial reason to invest in us, and um, they they are very interested, obviously, in us working with a very broad set of customers um, and uh, very very professional in that way. So um, we've been very very lucky to have them on board. Yeah. Something that, that I, I got really uh, impressed by what you said when we were preparing this episode was really the, of course, we already discussed it on the show, the huge upside that you have. So we are talking about a, a billion dollar uh, company in revenue, uh, so more than a billion dollar in, in valuation. And and we were thinking, but it's also very risky as in any startup and, and scale up. So this this is really a, a against the odds um, industry. But you said 
there is also limited downside, which is not typically the case uh, in other startups because you have developed uh, patents. So you have, you have some IP that's in the worst case scenario you can always sell to the industry. Can you explain it a little bit better? What is the thought process behind what I, what I just said? Of course. So I think the essence of, of, of it is tangible results. Um, yeah. we, 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 we create value in the company through our tech, meaning obviously, as you mentioned, there's a huge upside potential of, of creating a multi-billion euro or dollar um, revenue business. Um, but obviously that, 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 that's risky, right? Depending on a lot, a lot of things and factors and a very rough path ahead of us. Um, in, in terms of downside, uh, obviously, you know, everything can happen, but because we create value, we create tangible results through a mm -hmm. very, very exciting tech and the patents. We have many of our patents already granted. There's more in application um, and there's very clear interest and a very clear validation of the tech that says, okay, this is actually better than anything currently out there. Um, it creates a certain, you know, downside protection in the sense that if the you know if if the company or the the vision should you know uh, not achieve the multi-billion dollar revenue because of <laughs> customer timings because of any outside factors there's still opportunity to sell the the ip or the company as an ip so obviously that's not something we're um we're 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 what's our goal or right. what we're targeting um and you know, especially as an early stage investor, that's not how you build your business case, right? You're not you're not thinking mm -hmm. about downside cases. It's a power law, so I'm right. either a high multiple or nothing. Um, but in a sense, especially the the more we grow, the more you know sustainable also in terms of business success this business becomes, because yeah. you you create inherent value in the company on the balance sheet. And um, you you can you can uh, monetize that one way or another, and that creates a business that even though um, you 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 you, you don't uh, reach the full op optimistic path, there's a very very clear path to value creation, which is still significant value creation, right? We're not talking about selling the company for ten euros or something like that. Yeah. So we always discuss also here when when a SaaS company is going through the enterprise route. Uh, how difficult and out of it is the first years because it takes some time for you to start having the first contracts. Uh, and also you need to be careful so they don't make your product a Frankenstein uh, in order to be able to convince them to uh, trust you with, with the first contracts. Uh, but here, in your case, it is even more complex because you really have a, a long road until you are able to, 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 to convince those or to have the first orders to be able to, to get the revenue uh, on, on the door. So I think that the difficult part on this is really the how do we man manage and how do we manage, let's say, the emotions of ourselves and of the stakeholders in the business, namely the investors. So everyone needs to be aware. And that's why it helps to have investors that understand the industry and the timings of the industry. Because if you need to explain to investors that are not used to the timings of the industry, it might maybe you, you will never have raised the, the capital uh, anyway, right? So, but I, I'm just thinking much more out loud is uh, sometimes there is the, the, the temptation, especially for SaaS companies to go to mid-size or to smaller companies and start there. But sometimes the technology is so sophisticated that 
those kind of customers that don't have kind of the um, the capacity to pay so much for for the level of sophistication of the technology in this case it's even more more difficult so in order to really have a, a solution um, you need to be to be able to to be super well compensated by by, by the technology that you are uh, developing but i think in, in other ways is what are some of the challenges that you feel as a founder uh, on building an organization that is serving large enterprise customers and working with with large enterprise partners as well yeah 100 percent. and a lot of what you said um i agree with there's one analogy to what you said um in in deep tech businesses you still have the choice and many startups take um take any any one of those choices um of growing faster growing slow basically but that's that that's oversimplified so basically the two paths you can go um is either if, if you're a deep tech company is either mm -hmm. yeah. um you follow a road where you grow more slowly where you're focused more on the tech where you take out uh, take up less outside capital you maybe you're not the classic vc case um you you start to survive you, you go into profitability early you make significant revenues early on by doing engineering services for example selling okay. some services licensing mm -hmm. out the tech very early on you know these kind of things that just uh, takes away a lot of focus of the um on, right. on the product and it, ta it 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 takes much longer to get to significant volumes and large-scale projects so i don't know meaning for our example that could mean a large oem comes to us and says hey we want to do this or that um we want to do a, a small series of um I don't know, uh, uh, um, um, sand buggies, and we need a little motor for that. Can you do that? And you you do these little projects, you make a couple of hundred K here and there, um, and then you slowly build up. You maybe build out, out an in-house production very early on, but a very small one, a more, mm -hmm. more of you know manufacturing with easy processes, prototype manufacturing. And then you go step by step, and after 20 years, um, you might be at a point where you, you have a reputation in the market where you then can go after bigger projects you know that's that's a, that's the analogy of growing a bit more slowly with less capital um and the other um path and that's the path we are taking is get into scale now is the window um of opportunity now is the time mm -hmm. where our tech is needed and now is where we have the biggest value at at the moment because in 10 years time there will be electric motors that are as good as our motors today um so for our approach very clearly is get into scale and both on a strategic on an organizational but also on a technical level from a technical concept as mentioned before we're full, fully focused on large-scale serious manufacturing and 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 that obviously creates challenges right we need to grow a lot uh, we need to grow quickly we need the right partnerships with big manufacturers because we can't build up a huge manufacturing plant ourselves very quickly mm -hmm. and um we need to align with the processes with the quality requirements and so on of these large automotive um, oems mm -hmm. very very early on which is a strain on the organization because you need, you need you need to fulfill quality standards where you have whole teams to implement them at large companies and we basically have like this one guy doing it so to say um right. so 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 you still have the choice in deep tech startups between those two paths and and we very clearly chose chose the second path because now both from a timing perspective from a scaler perspective and right. from 
um, you know, uh, an overall value creation perspective, we felt this is uh, this is the better way to go, and this is very strongly, obviously, supported by our investors, and this is why we took took up uh, so much money so quickly, raising a, a large Series A within less than two years after our existence, um, and. And uh, I, I think there's there's um, there's uh, arguments for both paths, right? But uh, it, it just depends on 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 you and your you and your goals and 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 the the, the timeline that's behind it. Um, to answer your question, really, um, the biggest challenge uh, in in the second path. Uh, going directly for the large customers is, as I mentioned, right? It's 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 the quality standards you have to adhere to. It's the very fast scale up of the organization, and uh, it's the product side where you really need to, you know, kind of like think ahead and not build a product which is very very different. Build a product mm -hmm. that's uh, that, that that can be produced a hundred times a year versus a hundred thousand times a year. Um, and you need the right people, the right talent for that to actually implement that. And, and you know, that, that's, I think, uh, the, ma the main challenge. Um, apart, obviously, from the, the point I made earlier about really knowing and understanding the automotive industry, speak their language right. and understand your customer. Sounds a very exciting uh, puzzle. And uh, you, you can feel, we can feel the, the, your passion uh, about it. So let's go to the last segment of the show where we... We do here a quick ping pong on questions and answers. Um, so let's start with the first one. If you would have the opportunity, Felix, to have a coffee with yourself um, at the beginning of uh, Deep Drive, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Spend even more time talking to all the people that went through it before. Um, I'm doing that so much now. I, I think three, four times a week, I'm talking to other founders, to investors, to people that have the experience. Because in the end, so many of the startup challenges are very, very similar across the board. And right. you know, many people made the same mistakes or mistakes you can avoid. So that's really one of the main things, just talk to everybody all the time. Amazing. What are you the most proud of on your journey so far? Um, that's a very easy one. It's a team. Um, we built an amazing team. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing, you know, the, the, the guys and gals just, just giving it all and, you know, forging friendships within the team. Um, it's people that have, have had really, really good jobs um, and, and were on great career tracks in, in their old jobs. And they left those to, to join Deep Drive and to just, you know, um, get started together and just get stuff on the streets. And that's an amazing spirit we have in the team. And, and I couldn't be more proud of anything else. Worst advice ever received? <laughs> It's a it's a difficult one, and I thought a long a long time about this. But um, very early on, we had this um, this 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 person. It was an investor telling us about we need a very very clear plan, um, and you know things need to be planned very very clearly. We need to remove uncertainty and risk as much as possible. And I think uh, I don't say don't have a plan, but I think what what we kind of shook off very early was, um, you know, the the risk adversity. And obviously, every founder needs to have some level of uh, risk friendliness. But it's really about embracing uncertainty to some extent, and, um, you know, kind of kind of just going for it. And and I think that's a super, super important point. Um, don't let anyone uh, fool you. Um, there's going to be a lot of risk, but um, which you which you in part can mitigate. But you got to embrace the risk, and um, sometimes you got to make risky decisions as well. Yeah, and put you in a in a fear based mindset, right? So exactly. instead of in abundance uh, abundant mindset, uh, 
struggling with the word now. <laughs> so, uh, and now the resources, your favorite book? That plays into the same thing. So um, it's not a startup book and it's also not a business book. It's um, uh, David Eagleman, who's a, who's a very exciting brain scientist. And he wrote a couple of uh, nice books about the brain. One is called Life Wired, another is just called The Brain, uh, not, a, not a very creative title. But um, uh, he <laughs> writes a lot about how the brain works and how decisions are made and, you know, subconsciousness and, 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 those, and those things. And that helped me... Uh, a lot to understand you know how we think how we make decisions because obviously it helps reduce biases but it also helps you know um kind of like planning ahead and that plays again in the in the first in the first point you know um uh, getting rid of the fear mindset really thinking about not only where do you want to take the company but where do you want to take yourself and what decisions are, uh, will will get you there your favorite movie or series um also, just pure interest. Uh, I, I I like stuff that confuses me and that I have to understand after. Uh, so, Mr. Robot uh, with Rami Malek is an amazing show um, where you never know what's true and what isn't. And I think it's the same <laughs> if you're a founder. You never know what's, <laughs> what's actually going on at the moment. Uh, but you kind of have to have to stay on top of things. So, I really, really enjoyed that show. Absolutely. And finally, your favorite podcast, excluding this one. <laughs> so obviously excluding this one my favorite podcast is um, uh, um, Making Sense the Making Sense podcast from Sam Harris uh, I think he has amazing guests it's super super exciting it just broadens the mindset because I think so many things um, that anybody experiences in any field in any line of work can be you know applied to um, what we're doing what I'm doing uh, running a company and um, just you know broadening the horizons getting this input from completely different lines of thoughts and 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 and, and people is um, super super valuable because in the end you, you need to be flexible and flexible and super adaptive what is the name again is making sense or yeah it's a making sense podcast uh, by sam harris awesome i will check that out that out amazing uh felix Thanks so much for joining us today and congrats for the very inspiring story and all the best with the next chapters. You are always invited to come back to share the progress. I will do that. It was great fun. Thanks for having me. And to our community, thanks for being there. We keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life easier as you scale up your business. See you soon and keep scaling.